Quick question. How many of you feel smart? Okay, I mean, I don't mean like, don't be prideful, but how many of you are like, I'm smart? Just let me see your hands, okay? How many of you are married to somebody who's smart? Okay. Um, <laughs> a lot, lot more hands on that one than the first one. So you're married to humble people, right? That's what it is. I um, Full disclosure, this morning, if I was smart, I don't know that I would be starting this series. And if I was afraid of... Like, you know, what you might think or what people might say. I definitely would not start this series. Um, here's why. People don't like to talk about money, right? They don't, like, at the top of the list of topics you don't want to hear about at church, right? Let's just go through, the, like, maybe the top five. Number one, without a doubt, cowboys, right? Absolutely, without a doubt. Um, so, you, like, politics, people don't want to talk about politics. Um, they don't like to talk about money. They don't want to come to church and hear the pastor talk about money. And so if I was smart or afraid, then we wouldn't do this. But I know that God put on my heart that we're supposed to take February this year and talk about this series called Dollars and Cents. Um, and I started asking God, why? Why would you want us to do this? If people don't like to talk about money, then why would you have me take an entire month and do that. And this is what he said, because I talk about money a lot. So I started digging because I was curious, and here's what I found out. Now, I didn't know any of this before I started studying for this, this series. In the Bible, money and possessions are mentioned 2,350 times. That's 2,350 times, y'all, that money or possessions are mentioned in the Bible. In the Bible. Jesus talked about money and possessions more than he talked about love. That blew my mind. Because, you know, we're all about, like, Jesus is about, it's all about love, right? And then this one just floored me. Jesus talked about money and possessions more than he talked about heaven and hell combined. Combined. It just, so like, God, why would we do that? Why would we, why would we talk about it or not want to talk about it when you talk a lot about it? And, and I, think, I think it's because the way that we handle, the way that we steward our resources is a big deal to God. And so it probably should be a big deal to us. Now, I recognize this morning, the minute you saw the word dollars on that screen and I started talking, a lot of us just kind of got a little bit uncomfortable, right? So I want to set you just at ease. This is not a series that I'm going to teach on because I'm going to try to manipulate you to give more money. We're not doing this because the church needs you to get more money. We're not closing the doors. We're not doing any of that. And if, as a matter of fact, if you're new to the church, like if this is week one or week two that you've been here, then it would be easy for you to walk out and go, well, all they ever do is talk about money. Well, yeah, it's your first Sunday, right? Or half the time I've been there, they talked about money. But if you were to talk to people that have been with us for the seven years our church has been around, this might be like the second time we've done a series about money. We don't talk about this. We probably don't talk about it enough. But we definitely don't talk about it too much, right? And so this morning, I, like, when I'm getting ready for this message, I'm saying to God, like, is there even a problem? Like, our church is generous. We give a lot of money to our city. We give a lot of money away to missions. Like, we give percentage-wise probably more than most churches I know. So is there even a problem? And I found these statistics. It was almost like God helped me find these statistics, and God was saying, uh, yeah, there's a problem. And here's some of the stats. You ready? The, the number of believers in church who tithe, and let me just pause for a second and say, if you were raised in church, when I say the word tithe, 
you hear all kinds of things depending on how you were raised, right? Um, but probably not all good stuff. So I, I just need you to know that, like, when I say tithe, we, it has to, we have to start somewhere, right? So and it's not to beat you up. It's just that we have a common place to start. So let's just start with what the word tithe means. We'll talk more about it as we go through the series. But just so we have somewhere to start, here's what the word tithe means. You're going to be blown away. I know you are. It means tenth. That's, that's it. You already knew that, right? It means 10%. So when I say the number of believers in the church that tithe, what that means is of all the people in America that attend church, what percentage of those people give in the offering 10% of what comes into their home? Does that make sense? Are we on the same page? Okay. So don't worry about if it's you or not. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to kind of get us on a, a level playing field so we can have a conversation. So are you ready for this? The, the number of people, believers, y'all, people that go to church, love Jesus, that tithe is 10 to 25%. Now, here's, I'm, can I just step down here with, for a second with y'all? I, I want to be one of you. I don't want to be your pastor for a second, okay? I just want to be like with you. Like we're together in this. We're all in this together. Did you hear it in your head? I heard it too. So um, listen, I'm not coming down on you, because what that stat means is, I mean, I can do it in my head too. That means in this room right now, 75 to 90% of you are missing it, right? I get that. So when I say the stat, I feel it. I feel the collective, ugh, okay? I'm not saying this as your pastor, like, you're terrible, we're terrible, whatever. What I'm saying is, like, I struggle personally just as a follower of Jesus, okay? I always have, you can ask Wendy, I would, like, preach stuff, and she would, people would say stuff like, why is Paul so mad? And I'm like, I'm not mad. I just get super intense, right? So if I look mad, I'm not. I promise I'm just super intense, okay? Because this is something that gets up into my heart, and it grieves me. And here it is. You ready? The fact that people could follow a Savior who gave it all aren't. That just grieves me. Like, not as your pastor. Just like as a, f a friend who's following Jesus with you, the fact that we could actually, like, 75 to 90% of us would be disobedient, but we're following a Savior who was obedient all the way. It's just, I'm like, oh, God, like, what do we do with that? Only 10 to 25% of believers. It gets worse, y'all. I'm sorry. On average... On average, across the board in America, Christians give. If you took all the Christians, and we know 10 to 25% tithe, but if you took all the Christians that go to church and all the money that's given to church in one year, on average, Christians give 2.5% of their income to the church. Now, again, I'm not doing this so you'll give us money. I'm just, we've got to have a conversation about the heart, right? 2.5%. I was, like, bummed about that, right, from a heart standpoint. Like, ugh, that just hurts my heart. And then it got worse. <laughs> That's actually down from 3.3%. That's what people gave 3.3%. Christians gave 3.3% of their income to the church during the Great Depression. We give less now. And then, I don't know if you've ever done this. I've, I have done this with the Lord. And, and I, I want you to notice, we're not experts and we've not arrived. But in this 
area, we've been given for as long as I can remember. This is a non-negotiable in our house, right? We, this is like 10% is the minimum, right? We're going to give. So I'm not coming at you like sometimes I'm preaching at you like we got to figure this out together because the message is hard. And, and Nah, we've been doing this for a long time, right? A long time. And here's, but I used to tell this to God. Well, if I had more money, I'd give more. You ever say that? If I had more, I'd give more. So this is the other stat. Last one because we can't handle any more, right? I know. You're going to throw things at me. People who make $20,000 or less a year are eight times more likely to give than people who make $75,000 or more a year. So can, can I, I, again, last week we talked about secrets. Remember that? We talked about like God wants to uncover stuff and bring things into the light. So it was a perfect setup for today, right? Because this is not going to be fun for you or me probably. But what God wants to do is he wants to remove excuses. And so I think the biggest excuse that we give God, we kind of play the lottery game with God. Well, if I made more money, I'd give more. Like if I won the lottery, I'd do all these good things with the millions of dollars. But people go broke all the time winning the lottery. So he's just exposing that. Like, you know what, if you did make more, eh, you probably wouldn't give more. You might actually give less. So the, why do I say all that? Because if you go to the verse that all of us know, we learned it as kids, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave, right? And what did God give? A, an okay gift? His only son. He 100%, right? And so what I want you to get out of this series, this is the whole, the whole purpose of this series. I'm doing, taking a long time to set this up, but I, I need to make sure you get this. The whole goal of this series is not, again, not to make you feel bad and get more. If I give Paul a five instead of a one, he'll shut up. That's not the goal, y'all. The goal of this series is that there is a gap that exists between the generous heart of the Father and the not-so-generous habits of his children. There's a gap. When he gives all, and we're given 2.5%, there's a gap. Would you agree with me? Now, what we do about it, that's a whole other thing, right? That's the whole month. But there's a gap, and my whole goal is just to close that gap, okay? Because you know what? I think that we should look like our father. One of the things that Parker hates, my son, is that he looks like me. I don't know why he hates that. I think it's a gift, personally. <laughs> He's like, oh, man. Like, like you just, he could never walk in a room with me and say, like, yeah, I don't know him. People are like, he know, they know he's my son. Like, I think we should look like our dad. I think that if our father is generous, then his children should be the most generous people on the planet. And so if there's a gap, we got to fix that. Does that make sense? All right, so we're going to be in Mount, um, in an Old Testament book is an Old Testament um, prophetic book it's written by an Italian. It's Malachi. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 through 10, 6 through 12. So Malachi, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. So if you're looking for it and you have an actual Bible, like a, a handheld Bible, you'd open about halfway through. That Psalms, go a little bit to the right. You'll get to the last book of the, of the Old Testament, and that's Malachi. So we're going to be in Malachi chapter 3. Verses 6 through 12, full disclosure again. If you are in church, you've been in church most of your life, this is a passage that you may very well have been beaten up with, okay? So my goal today is not to beat us up with the Bible. 
but just to talk about what God's saying in this passage. It might be a little different than you thought it was, okay? So let's let's re- it'll be on the screens if you don't have if you don't have your Bible. So Malachi chapter three, verses six to twelve. Let's just start verse six. It says this I the Lord do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. I'm not going to preach through that verse, but can I just tell you, if you're reading the Bible with us this year, have you noticed? We'll use the word fickle. How fickle the people of God are in the Old Testament. I mean, I want to say stupid, right? Like, he'll tell them something, and they'll be like, they're all in for a day, and then they find something else to do. And God's saying, basically, y'all change all the time, but I don't ever change. And it's good for you that I don't change, because that's why you're still living. Because I'm the same merciful God today that I was back then when I told you to start doing things. Right? That's a, good, that's a, great, that's a great verse. Ever since, verse 7, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. That is not good, y'all. He's like, I mean, I can't remember a time that you did what you're supposed to do. Right? This is y'all, y'all as parents talking to your kids. Ever since the time. <laughs> you never do. He says, return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Verse 8, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. Verse 9, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Verse 10, this is a verse you may have heard before. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that will, there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So here's, um, here's what I want you to get. God says, return to me. And I believe he's, he gives us two steps to do that, okay? So we're going to talk through two things, two steps we need to take if we're going to return to God. And specifically, he talks about through the way that we give, okay? Again, he's after our heart, not our wallet. Here's the first thing we got to do. And you're going to hate this one. We'll talk through it quickly if we can. You got to stop stealing from God. I try to think of a nice way to say it. It's just not a nice way to say it. You got to stop stealing from God. So we, we got to understand again what a tithe is. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. This was God. He said, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. What is he saying? He's saying, like, y'all are an agricultural society, and everything that comes into your house through the field, a tenth of that is me. Tithe means tenth. He says, A tenth of that belongs to me, right? So 10%, give it to me. If you keep studying in Scripture, you'll find it's not just 10%. It's actually the first 10%. Because there's an element of faith involved, right? God, I'm giving you the first 10%, and I'm trusting that you'll help me out on the other 90. That's what tithing is. Here, this is semantical, but a tithe can never be given. It has to be returned. Do you know why? Because it's not ours. You can't rob from somebody if it's already yours. He said, you're robbing from me because it's my money that I've given to you, and you need to return it to me. Now, you already understand how frustrating this principle can be for God. Because you have loaned tools to your neighbors, and they have not returned them. Right? 
That's how God feels about the tithe. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, I, I, I gave it to you, trusted you with it, and you've not even returned it. That's what he means when he says, you've robbed me. Now, um, again, how many of you were raised in church? Like, okay. So it's okay if you weren't. Because if you weren't raised in church, you get the next few minutes off. Okay? Just kind of talk amongst yourselves, play a game on your phone, whatever. I need to talk to the church people. Okay? Church people, look at me. I'm one of you. We're all in this together. right? I'm a church person. I was born in church. We squabble over the tithe. Oh, my goodness, right? Like, can I just say this? This is why God wants your heart. Generous people don't squabble over how much to give. Generous people don't say things like, is that pre-tax or after-tax? Trying to find loopholes. Like, I'm, I'm filing my taxes with God. I want to make sure I can keep as much as possible. How little can I give and still be okay? That's not the heart of generosity. I want to make sure. Now, again, if you're not raised in church, you don't understand that culture. But I'm telling you, church people, we get it, right? We get it. So here's something else that church people will say. Well, tithing's Old Testament because it's part of the law. It's true. It's true. Except here's what I've, I've seen, and you've seen this too. If you're reading through the Bible, you've already read this. Two times. There, were t- there was tithing in the Old Testament before the law was ever given. And you know why those two times happened? Because the person that was tithing was moved in their heart to give back to God. So tithing didn't start with the law. I don't believe it even ended with the law. Here's what people will say too. Church people, again, if you're not church, I like you a lot. Really, probably maybe more than we would even like church people because I'm one of those too. So just keep playing your game. Church people. Here's what we'll say. Jesus came and Jesus did away with the Old Testament. Okay. First of all, Jesus didn't do away with half of the Bible. Okay. Second of all, I don't find anywhere that Jesus lowered a standard. Right? So like the Old Testament had standards and Jesus stepped down to the scene. And he said things like this. I have come not to abolish that but to fulfill it. And people are like, sweet. Jesus fulfilled the law. We don't have to do squat now. But that's not what he said. He also said things like this. Yeah, I came to fulfill the law, but here's what that means. Not just if you have an affair, you've committed adultery. But then he said, but now what I'm telling you is if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart. That's Jesus going, level's here, and we're going to level up. Right? (laughs) Like, we're going to go way up. So 10% tithe. Turns into, I, I want all of it. I, I want you all. 100%. That's important. Jesus didn't lower a standard. He raised it. So I'm going to make a statement that you don't have to agree with. There's no pressure to agree with it. But I want you to think about it, okay? I believe this when it comes to the tithe. That Jesus freed us from the obligation of the tithe but not necessarily from the obedience of it. Let me say that again. Jesus freed us from the obligation of the tithe, but not necessarily the obedience of it. Here's why that makes, why I believe that's true. Because um, you already know this, man, if you're a parent, oh my gosh. Wasn't it a sad day when you realized you couldn't force your kids to do what you wanted them to do? 
Like, I don't think that's the best way to parent anyway, but can we all admit that we do? We're tired. And we're just like, because I said so. And, like, when they're a certain age, that's all it takes. They're like, like they, they rush off to do it, right? But, I mean, can we all agree as parents, I'm t- are most of the kids gone? Because I'm giving away parent secrets now, right? Most of us, as our children get older, we will all have a moment where because I said so, doesn't always work. Because you're going, because I said so. And they're like, who are you, oh, lowly man? You know, it's like they're just bigger. And, and at that point, do you know what you want? They're, they're kind of freed from obligation. You can't really make them do it. But you sure would like their heart to still want to obey you. That's the way it is with, with giving in the New Testament. That's why the New Testament calls, calls it grace giving. He says, according to the grace that's being given to you, give generously. And don't be a grump when you do it. Give cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver, right? Because we're so overwhelmed with the grace of God that it just spills out in generosity because we're becoming like our Father. And so he releases us from the obligation. I don't think that I have the right to say, well, if you're going to be a part of this church, then you better give 10.35%. I can't say that. The law's already fulfilled in Jesus. But, man, do we want to have a church full of people that are so stingy they're counting pennies about it? Come on. No. And we don't have that. I'm just saying. Statistically speaking, most of American churches are that way. So does that make sense? Can we move on? Thank goodness. Jesus gives us a new heart that should want to be more generous, not less. So I say all that because we're reading in Malachi, and that's in the Old Testament. And I just don't want church people like me to, to say in their minds, well, that doesn't apply to me because this is New Testament. Okay? So now, church people, non-church people, whatever, we're all back together. Let's keep going. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. God said, um, he introduces the word rob. He says, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? And they, that got their attention. They said, how are we robbing you? And he said, in tithes and offerings. So rob, right? That, that grabbed my attention too. What does that word even mean? So I, I whipped out my favorite app, which is the Blue Letter Bible app, and you should definitely download it or use it online. It's an amazing app. You can look up Hebrew words and Greek words. And I looked up the Hebrew word for rob. And here's what it means. To rob. And to cover and to defraud. To rob, to cover, to defraud. And you know what I realized? God's saying to his people, you are embezzling from me. Now, what does it mean to embezzle? It means a misappropriation of someone else's funds put into your trust. And God looks at his people and says, you're embezzling from me. I've given you my stuff and trusted that you would return to me what's mine. And you have mishandled it, abused it. We'll talk about all that in the weeks to come. Like most of us would probably like to give, but sometimes we feel like we can't because we don't have anything to give. And all that happens from misappropriating the things that God has given us. It's not a money problem. It's a money management problem. We're embezzling from him. And he says, look, because you're embezzling, because you're keeping the tithe that belongs to me for yourself, verse 10, it says, you are cursed. Verse 9, you're cursed. Your whole nation is cursed. And what I love about God is that he doesn't leave us there, right? It'd be terrible. Wouldn't it be bad for God to say, you're cursed, and it's over. 
Like, like if we embezzled today in our society, we'd be on the front page of the paper. We would lose our jobs. We'd be prosecuted. It's over. And God's not like that. What I love about the, the Father's heart is he doesn't want to leave his people or us in a place where we're cursed. And so what, not only does they stop stealing from God, but here's the second part of that. In order for us to, to remove that curse, we need to start partnering with God. We stop one thing and we start doing something different. And so the rest of this, these verses talk about what it means to start partnering with God. So they ask God, how do we return to you? Now, again, parents in the room, if your kids aren't doing what you asked, like if we go to that one verse, you're like, from the time that you were born, you have never obeyed me, never done what I asked. And there's a distance between us, and I need you to return to me. And they said, how can I return to you? How many of you parents know that what you would tell your kids to do is all the things that they're not doing? Like, go make your bed, clean your room, pick the clothes up off the floor, mow the grass, stop hitting your sister, right? You know what's weird about God? Is he said to his people, from, the, from your ancestors to now, you've never done what I asked you to do. And they said, how can we return to you? How can we fix this gap between us and you? And he did not say, just go do all the things. Just go do all the things that you haven't been doing. Be better at it, and we'll be okay. He said, do one thing. Stop embezzling from me what's mine and start partnering with me. Return the tithe back to me and partner with me. That's good news. I mean, maybe not if we like our money a lot, but it's good news that he's not trying to get us to be perfect in all areas. He just says, just in this one area, if you'll just return to me with the tithe, I'll have your heart, and it'll take care of everything else. So let's do this as we kind of start wrapping this up. Let's talk through what it looks like to partner with God in our giving. So verse 10, bring the whole tithe. Again, I'm saying this to you as, as a friend and as somebody who's also following Jesus with you, not as a pastor to beat you up. You need to understand this. He said to bring the whole tithe. Our God is not a God of half measures. He wants full obedience, right? Now, he's a God of grace, no doubt about it. But he wants full obedience. So he didn't say to them, hey, I, I, look, you know what? Let's just cut a deal. I mean, I know you don't really want to give 10%. So bring like uh, 42 he said, bring the whole tithe. You want to re repair the relationship? Bring that whole tithe. And here's why that's important. If I turned to Wendy and said at the end of 2018, listen, baby, um, I got a plan for 2019. I'm going to make a few changes in my life because I've been cheating on you. And she's like, do what? And I said, but it's, okay. it's all good, baby. I mean, like in 2019, I'm going to be like 93% yours. I mean, ladies in the house. How's that going over? She's like, you can be zero percent mine, right? Like, adios, dude, right? I mean, see, to say to God, I want to fix the relationship, but I'm just going to kind of work at it. He's like, no, bring the whole tithe. Bring it all. He said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Listen to that word storehouse. In the, in the temple back in the Old Testament, there was actually a room that they stored that. They stored what was brought in. And they stored it for a reason. They stored it not to keep it forever for themselves, but to be able to use it for people. 
if you're reading through the Bible with us, we've already read the story of Joseph in Egypt. And that's the first thing I thought of when I read that. For seven years, Joseph said, bring all that excess and let's put it into these storehouses so that when the, the drought comes and there's seven years of no food, we can bless people with the excess that we've got in the storehouse. So what I love about this is God's not saying, hey, just stockpile your funds. Just be a church of hoarders. He's not saying that. He's saying bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there's food there. And why would there be food there? Because there's hungry people that want to eat. And we would have the opportunity as a church to bless those people. Now, listen, you don't have to agree with this, but I need to say it. I believe that the tithe, I believe that the giving that takes place in the church, I believe it belongs to the church that you attend. I believe that if you want to bless other ministries, that's what the Bible calls an offering, and you should do that all day long. But I believe that what you give as a tithe goes to the place where you're planted and fed. And here's why that's important. Think this through. Let's just say hypothetically that you attend church at the gathering, but you also watch somebody on TV and you have your favorite podcast speaker and you send your tithe to those people. Hey, God's, that's you and God, right? Bless you. I'm still going to preach my heart out. But here's what typically happens. When there's a need in your life, you ain't calling Furtick because he's not going to come. You're going to call me. And guess what's not in the storehouse to help you? Your tithe. That God told you to put there so that the church would be able to help as you have need. Now, we'll wrap the message up with some stats that will blow your mind and make all that make even more sense. But I believe this. Look, if, if you don't want to bring your, your, your tithes, your offerings into the storehouse, that's cool. I'm, I got no problem with that. Just don't. Call us because we won't have anything to do with it. We can't help. There's nothing there. That's what the storehouse is for. It's to store up what could be used later to help. There will be food in my house. A couple more. Um, verse 11 says that he'll prevent pests from devouring your crops. I think we can all agree that pests are cats. All except Wendy. Wendy did not agree with that. Verse 11 says that we'll be fruitful. I love that. Like vines aren't going to drop until they're actually ripe. I love that. Can you see that God's saying, man, if you trust me, I'm protecting all of these things for you. And then I love verse 12. Verse 12 says that as we partner with God in our giving, we will stand out among the nations. He says, then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful end. You know what the translation is? All the nations will be like, y'all aren't like us. Man, I love that. Like, you're, you're delightful. How would you get to be delightful like that? Uh, we just gave God 10%, like returned his tithe. And he's protected us and given us great fruit. And it makes us stand out. And I want, I want the church to stand out in our culture. I want that so desperately. And this is one way that that can happen. Listen, these are promises of a life that partners with God in generosity and in faithful giving. And this is an important concept we do not give to get. But here's the truth. If you give, you will get. Because it's the heart of God. It's a promise of God. God gives to givers and takes from takers. 
as you read the New Testament, you'll, you'll read parables where Jesus says things like, um, I gave people like one talent, three talents, and five talents, right? And so the five becomes ten, and the three becomes six, and the one digs a hole and puts it to ground. And what did, what did Jesus say at the end of that parable? Take from that person who has one and give it to the person who has ten. He gives to givers, and he takes from takers. And that, that principle is true all the time, even if it doesn't happen as often as we think it should or as quickly as we wish it would. It's still true. He gives to givers, and he takes from takers. So let me um, wrap it up this way. Let me give you a big idea so you can know it's not about money. God is looking for kingdom partners, not business partners. Okay? Sometimes we, we think of finances in the church as a business. He's not looking for business partners. He's looking for kingdom partners. Let me tell you a couple things that will help, help you see the difference. Kingdom partners will ask, what can flow through me? A business partner will ask, what's in it for me? Kingdom partners are about people. Business partners are about profits. Kingdom partners release resources. Business partners control resources. And business partners multiply resources. Business partners manage resources. Now, um, we've talked a lot about, like, the Father's heart and our habits, and we want to close the gap between his heart and our habits. He's generous. We want to be generous just like he is. Some of you are still mad. You're still kind of squirming. You're like, I can't believe he's talking about, I'm never going to come. You're getting that whole turkey thing going, right? Can I, I just want to close this morning out with a, with a quick illustration just to kind of help you see the true heart behind what God wants. Why is God even talking to his people about stopping, don't rob from me, stop embezzling from me, return to me what's mine? Why does God talk so much about money and resources? And it's because he gave a promise to Abraham in Genesis 12:1, and this was the promise. I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. And so everything God talks about with, with resources and money is always to put us in a position where we can be blessed. So, um, Cody, I know you're going to help me out. Cody's going to come up on the platform and help me out. Um, I think Adams, you can come bring those out too. I need one more person that can help me out. I need a guy that can be willing to help me out. Um, any? You, Chase, thanks so much. You want to come on? Yeah, here, we'll just move it up here. You want to put them both up there? All right. Um, Chase, if you don't mind coming on this side of, this, of the platform, thank you so much. Just, you're good right there. That's so good. Um, Cody, hey, man. It's good to see you. Cody, uh, he asked if he could be a part of this because he just, pff, anyway, wants to show off the Patriot stuff, whatever. So, um, Cody, for this illustration, you're just going to be like us, okay? So you, you represent us, right? Um, and you're, you're going to be God. That's actually what you said, too. What? <laughs> um, yeah. So don't let it go to your head, okay? All right? You're just going to be God. So just kind of hang out there. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you um, we're gonna give you 100 bananas. I have 100 bananas here. I need you to hold your arms out. So just kind of get comfortable there. And um, Adam and I are just going to start loading you up. You, um, oh, see, that's terrible. Okay, that's bad. You might maybe, okay, that's not working well. So what I said was Adam's going to lo start loading you up with bananas. So here we go. Um, yeah, I don't know. What are we doing? Yeah, maybe put your arms closer together. Can you do that? Like maybe. There you go. There, there we go. Now it's not working again. That's great. So what we're going to do is we're going to, you have leaky arms, dude. I don't know what the. 
So weird. They're holy. I like the way you said that. That was terrible, wasn't it? So we're going to load you up with 100 bananas. We're going to cover up the patriots. Thank you, Jesus. Um, hallelujah. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. You know, it's just crazy. Hello. Did y'all do that when you were kids, like talking to a banana like it was a phone? Are y'all okay? Um, just talk amongst yourselves. We're, how are you, you good? Let me just kind of get that in there like that. A little clerical collar for you. It's good. I feel like we should sing, hey, hey, with the monkeys. Man, that was a blast from the past, wasn't it? That's crazy. I wasn't even allowed to watch that show. I think that's on, was that a real show? I don't even know. They're on the Brady Bunch. I know that. No, 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 let's go. Did y'all hear that? Adam said, what's the Brady Bunch? Did he really just say that? Okay, anyway. Sorry. Boy, this is fun, isn't it, Adam? I tell you, this took a lot less time in my mind. So um, we're doing great so far. How are, you, are you good, Cody? Man, you're really working out today. This is great. You know, for all your trouble, I'm sure that the Lord's going to help the Patriots win tonight. Do you ever do that, like do things for God, and like, if I do this, will you help me, reward me by letting my team win? God doesn't work that way, my friend, sorry. Unless it's the Panthers, and then still doesn't work that way. Okay, we're close. We're doing good. We're doing, I think we're, we're killing this, man. Hmm, wow. My fingers are starting to hurt. Like right now, Phil's saying to himself, how many times can I play these three chords, right? How many times so can I play? So far it's 37. You're doing great. Y'all are doing great. Things you think about when you're stacking bananas. Doesn't the platform look great? Don't those lights look so good? Our creative arts team killed it. Are you okay? Are you good? You know what I've done? I've successfully made you lean your head back, and we can't see anything about the Patriots anymore. <laughs> That's something you should be clapping about. That's good stuff. Um, okay, are you, oh, I don't know whose fault it is really at this point. Man, are y'all getting this? There are so many people taking video of you right now. You're famous, Cody, and nobody can see your face. <laughs> it's crazy. Don't okay, move. are you good? Okay, so here's what I want you to see for now, yeah. What I want you to see is this. When it comes to our resources, when it comes to the things that we have, money, time, talent, all that stuff, God, in his grace and mercy, gives it all to us. Isn't that amazing? Why would he even, I know you and you know me. Why would God trust us with all of that? And all God asks us to do, you just got to feel, I hate to even tell God what to do. But if you'll just, like, put your hands out, maybe a little closer, and if you'll face this way, I'm being very bossy with God. Sorry. Sorry, Father. Okay. He just, God just says, you know what? Um, I just want 10. Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> he just says, I want, I want a tithe, 10. That's, is that 6? I think that's 6. 7, 8. Holy cow. Cody is feeling generous today. Is that 10? Did we get that? So, um, yeah, thank you. Okay. Whew. You're good. No, you're good. That's good. Holy. Okay. Now, what I want you to see, y'all, is Cody 
is not like the 10 to 25 percent of people in the church. Well, he is like the people, the 10 to 25 that give 10 percent. He's given 10 bananas to God. And who has the most bananas still? That's a ton of bananas, y'all. God's, he wants it all. He just asked to return the tithe. And some of you are so generous. You're like, you know what? There's what's next. I want to help with that. And, oh, I've got a friend. They're going to go on a mission trip. And you know what? I think today I'll just give God three more bananas. You still have 87 bananas left. What I need you to see is that our money problems are not money problems. They're banana management problems. Because we are embezzling bananas from God when we keep them all to ourselves. And he just simply says, are you good? I think we might need the bucket. He's, I, I, I hear noises coming from Cody. You know, if he was a pan, if he was a, Wow. Panthers fans wouldn't have gotten tired, would they? <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah, yeah, God's like, I'll take it all. <laughs> He's good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Let me wrap it up this way. Can I give you a couple statistics? Let's play the what if game. What if in America every believer that goes to church said to themselves, you know what, I'm not going to be part of the 10 to 20. I'm not going to be part of the 75 to 90% that doesn't tithe. I'm going to return a tithe to God. In one year, y'all, in one year, if everybody in America church, in American church actually just returned a tithe, I'm just saying, like, we'll start at 10%. Here's what would happen. There would be $165 billion, with a B, more dollars for churches to use to bring the kingdom to earth. It would take 25 billion to relieve global hunger, starvation, and death from preventable diseases in just five years. It would take 12 billion to eliminate illiteracy in five years. It would take 15 billion to solve water and sanitation problems in countries where people live on less than $1 a day. It would take 1 billion to fully fund overseas missions work. Do you know what that means? We have friends that are missionaries, and itineration kills them because they have to come back from the mission field where they're called to convince believers to give them money. And $1 billion would fully fund missions work. Missionaries would come back just to tell us what God's doing on the field, not to ask us to give them more money. And all of that means that there would be $100 to $110 billion still left over for God to do things on this earth through the church. And that's just 10%. That doesn't include Cody being generous and giving three extra bananas to God. Now, those are big numbers, and that can blow our minds. Can we just bring it to our church? And again, I'm not telling you this so you'll give more. I want God to get, I want you to get a hold of what could happen when we partner with the kingdom. In our church alone, just the families that we have, if 100% of the families in our church tithe based off of the average income in Stanley County, in one year, we would have a quarter of a million more dollars come in. Let me ask you this question. What would happen to the opioid crisis if we had a quarter of a million dollars annually for the church to do good with? How many widows and orphans could be 
spared. How many of the funding problems that our city has, would they be able to come to the church and say, would you help us? I didn't read you from Deuteronomy, but there's a verse in Deuteronomy 28, verse 12, that says, you will no longer borrow from anybody, but you will lend to them. And the church borrows from everybody. I get it. But God's plan was that there'd be so much in the storehouse that we wouldn't have to borrow, but people would come to us and say, can you help? And we would say, yes. Yes, we can fund the foster children program. That's what would happen. And that's just if Christians, hear my heart, simply did what God asked. Just simply said, you know what, I'm going to trust you with 10%. I'm going to return to you what's yours, and I'm going to let you help me with my 90. I don't know how to close a service like this. Offering boxes are in the back on the wall. There's places in your chair for you to give. There's an app, there's online, there's all kinds of ways you can give. But I didn't preach this message so you would respond with money. I want you to respond with your heart. I want you to, I want you to get a hold of what God could do in our city. If Christians simply said, that thing about tithing, I think God might have known what he was talking about. And as the weeks go forward, we'll tell some of our stories. We've got stories to tell of what God's done. I mean, miraculous things in our lives. Not because we're like perfect people, but because we just said we're going to put God first in our finances. And it's not always been easy, but he's always been faithful. So I'm going to pray for you. Is that cool? And then I've asked the band to lead us in one more song um, just so we can wrap this up in the presence of God. I know you've been patient and you've waited a long time, but I just want to pray over you and then let them sing. And we'll worship and then I'll close us out and we'll go home and watch the Patriots <coughs> lose. Father, um, I, I just want to say thank you. That you are a father that I can trust and have trusted for many years now. And, and you've never been about beating us up. You've never been about trying to make us better. Your, your thing is just, man, give me your heart. And if we can walk together in relationship, if we can just be together, father, son, father, daughter, then all this other stuff's going to work itself out. And so I just pray over this house just a release of your spirit and of your peace. And that we would trust you. You have our best in mind. And your heart has always been to bless us so that through us, others could be blessed. Meet us as we wrap this up with a song, God, I pray. In your name, Jesus. Amen. We just stand together. And let's say sing. I mean, the, the altar's always open. You're more than welcome to come and hang out at the altar. You can worship where you are. But let's just spend a few minutes with the Lord, and I'll come back up and dismiss us in prayer.